You are listening to the Work in Esports podcast, a podcast where we chat with people who work in various roles around the esports industry and find out about their experiences. From casters to content creators to company founders, we are here to tell their stories. We explore their inspirations, how they got started, gained experience, and so much more. The goal of this podcast is to help provide context and maybe even offer you some practical advice for how you can get started yourself. So if you or someone you know is interested in working in the esports industry, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Work in Esports podcast. I'm your host, Spencer Bing. And today we have a very special guest, Duran Parsi, who is the founder of the Collegiate Star League and currently finds himself working at Face It. He is also a StarCraft fan and I think a pretty high level player, if I do remember correctly, um, maybe... I'm not sure if he currently is, but yeah, tell me. <laughs> uh, I am definitely not anymore. I used to be a StarCraft player uh, many, many years ago. StarCraft 1. Uh, I never really played StarCraft 2 seriously. Um, but yeah, StarCraft 1, I was I was a good player. Not 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 like top level, but you know, I played in played in WCGs and in, in lands, and I I managed to beat some top players occasionally at land events so so yes uh, i was that's kind of like my start was was really as a competitive starcraft player and then i kind of transitioned to becoming more of an organizer um at the end of high school and beginning of college interesting and so would you say that uh you had like a specific moment uh where you were where you recognize that that was even a possibility, like something that maybe you would want to do is become like an organizer. Um, I, I mean, the the way the way it started for me was when I was at the end of high school. I well, throughout high school, I had terrible grades, and then at the end of high school, when I was a senior, uh, when it was time to kind of apply to colleges, I realized that my grades were really bad, and my college counselor said that if I didn't you know, get good grades in my senior year, I would probably ruin my chances of going to a good college. So I I decided to give up StarCraft for a year um, <clears throat> and focus on school. And then when I came back to StarCraft, I, you know, most of my teammates, uh, and at the time I was um, on the USA national team for Brood War, uh, most of my teammates and like the national team players had obviously gotten a lot better during the time that I wasn't really playing. And so one of the things that I asked myself at that point was like wanting to still be involved, but realizing that I wasn't good enough uh, to like put myself in clan war lineups and things like that. And and then I sort of started asking myself and thinking about like how I could be useful um, while I tried to like practice up and regain my skill. And so what I started doing for my team was like organizing clan wars um, and finding scrims and uh, finding like nation wars for, for the USA team. And then from there, uh, that's kind of when I started like figuring out that I liked doing that. And then, uh, and then, you know, I also realized at that time, uh, WCG was really the only tournament for American players to play at that time. And I, uh, you know, I didn't, I wanted there to be something more. And so I organized a tournament called War of the States, which was like the first 
the first event that I really ran on my own. Um, and that was received really, really well. And I guess that's sort of the thing that kind of started my shift to organizing events more than more than playing in events. Um, it kind of made me realize a that I that I had some sort of skill at doing it, and because you know people liked liked the event, it was like very well real well received in the community. Um, and and b I kind of felt like I was doing something that was useful. Uh, so I kind of at that point just kept doing it, um, and I started doing more events and more events, and and you know some number of years later I someone started paying me to do this, and then it went from like a hundred dollars a month to you know a, eventually a full time thing. Nice, that's a really really cool um, process. I didn't know all of that about you, so very interesting. Um, did you did you find that some of like the ties you had from when you were uh, playing at that high level, uh, some of the ties you made with like either the players or other teams and stuff, made it easier for you to kind of jump into the organizing role? I uh, definitely. Um, I, I would say a hundred percent, especially in in StarCraft at that time. Um, it was a very small community, and it was it was fairly closed in in a certain sense where um like if you had buy-in from the notable players like automatically kind of gave you a certain level of um legitimacy i guess and so you know obviously as as a as a player myself who knew all of the top players and had either played with or against them or or like organized nation wars uh, for them you know, as soon as I started organizing events, you know, it was easy to uh, to get buy-in from them, and that kind of yeah, sort of gave everything a stamp of legitimacy that I might not have had if I was just like a random, you know, like random TL.net like forum goer hosting a tournament. Uh, so yeah, definitely, definitely think that that uh, helped for sure. Okay, and uh, about what time in your life, or like around, like yeah, what time in your life was it that you started organizing tournaments? And then when would you say you uh, began with uh, the Collegiate Star League? As far as like what what did that? Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I guess the first time I organized, I think War of the States was probably in like two thousand five. <laughs> um. I could probably go on Team Liquid and, and like look it up at some point, but I think it was like around t- 2005 or 2006. Um, and yeah, Collegiate Star League started in 09. And then, so how, how that started, you know, I was in college and, you know, once I, once I went to college, um, I, I went to a community college first because my high school grades were bad. <laughs> and the head, I, I, uh, after a year, I transferred to UC San Diego. And the first, th- like, literally the first thing I did um, was post on Team Liquid and, and ask um, if there are other StarCraft players that go to UCSD. And I, you know, wanted to start an esports club uh, because, you know, 90% of my socialization is done through StarCraft at that time and probably still. Um, 
but uh, I, I, I wanted to create an esports club there. So I did. I found um, a bunch of StarCraft players at a tournament that the tech club um, on campus hosted. My roommate's friend told me about it. And I, I showed up, and there was like 70 people signed up for the tournament. I was like, wow, I didn't even realize that this many people played StarCraft 1 at all. Uh, so that was really cool. And I met all of them and we became friends. And then I kind of organized a team and I and I started posting on Team Liquid um, to see if there were people at other UCs. So what I did first was start a UC league uh, for all the UC schools called UC Pro League. And then a friend of mine, Mona, uh, who was at Princeton, uh, basically created a show match between Princeton and MIT, who are you know, big Ivy League rivals. And then over the summer, that summer, which was, yeah, 09, uh, we started talking and we kind of decided that rather than like host two leagues that would be potentially competing with each other, that we would just work together um, and host one league. Because uh, my plan with the UC league was to start doing with start a league with UCs and then kind of expand uh, slowly from there. Uh, and then, yeah, we just decided to work together instead of, of hosting two separate leagues. And that's kind of uh, where CSL came from. Interesting. And can you tell me, before you started, uh, like, quote unquote, working in esports, like, you know, organizing when you were playing, were you working at all, like, uh, in high school? I guess this is was, this was way back, so this, maybe you didn't at all. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I did not, actually. Um, I, besides esports, I've really only had like, I've really only had two jobs. Um, one of them was um, after I graduated from high school. Um, I, when I was in high school, I, I participated in academic decathlon, if you have heard of that. Um, and then after I graduated, uh, when I was my first two years of college, before I moved to um, San Diego, and a little bit after I moved to San Diego, when I could come down, um, I, I was hired at my high school as the coach of the decathlon team. And then I worked at a program called Avid um, as like a tutor. And then at the end of college, I um, in my last quarter at UCSD, I did like a quote unquote abroad program where we went to Washington, D.C. Um, so it wasn't really abroad, but... Um, <laughs> It was, I guess it was termed that, but uh, I, I got an internship at a think tank. Um, and so I worked at a think tank uh, briefly. And then after the internship ended, uh, they kept me on uh, for another year. Um, but other than that, yeah, those are the only two actual jobs I've ever had, to be completely honest, that are not related to esports. Interesting, interesting. Would you say that... Um... Anything from like that time period, from like the think tank or any of that, uh, you kind of use like some of the skills you maybe picked up or some things that you learned there in, in your um, organizing or beyond. I, I think, I think the experience of of the think tank was not 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 no like specific skills that came out of it, but. Um, like my experience working at the think tank. So when I was there, um, I was doing really well, and you know, which is why they they asked me to stay because I, you know, I obviously started as an intern, and then eventually uh, they kind of gave me more and more responsibilities. 
I went from just doing basic data collection stuff as an intern to like writing reviews to like writing like an original piece um, that was published. And then they kept me on. And then at that time, I was going up for a fellowship position that they had open um, that would have, you know, kept me there for longer and given me like a much, much better like full time wage. And um, I ended up not getting it. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, the reason or at least the reason that I think I didn't get it was was more of like an internal politics thing where the uh, the person who was making the decision on the fellowship picked um, her, the person that had been her intern versus like me, who was sort of working under someone else at the think tank that wasn't, I guess, as like high up on on sort of like the internal political uh, scheme. So I think the the learn like my learning experience and takeaway from that was was that these types of situations are real and and those things happen and and I guess like the takeaway for me from that was was to like in in any kind of work environment um that you find yourself in not necessarily to be involved in politics but a to like be aware of them and b to to just do what you can to kind of make an impact um on as many people like within a company as you can um because that will increase your chances of of sort of like advancing within that company uh so it's like not as to me it was like not as important as like okay i'm just doing i'm doing well in my specific niche role within this company but you know i if i look back at it i was like okay what else could i have done to kind of like make myself valuable to other people within the company that would have you know maybe pushed me over the edge to to like getting that fellowship for example so i think that was like the actual sort of real life lesson takeaway from that experience for me like i feel like i could have done more in that in that time um and perhaps if i had done more in a couple different areas you know maybe i would have gotten that fellowship and I would probably not be doing esports at that time if if I had ended up getting that. So it's kind of also like a weirdly pivotal life moment for me, anyways. So sort of uh, just interesting to reflect back on that. Interesting indeed, and and definitely a lesson that I think other people can learn from. Uh, just being aware of the politics, I think, was a huge point. Just being aware of it as a thing, and and then being a little more conscious about how you uh, about what you can give and provide an organization, and and understand that that's really how you'll be not just people don't just weigh whether or not you've done a good job they kind of weigh there are more things that come into that and that's the political side of things so yeah just being mm -hmm. aware of that i think is super important that's a great point yeah absolutely um okay so you started this uh collegiate league uh collegiate star league and you can you tell me about like a little bit about like the very beginning and then kind of how you gained steam and and in the end what what did it look like yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, <clears throat> at the beginning, uh, CSL was CSL was was really just a hobby. Um, you know, at the time, uh, you know, I was still I was still like heavily involved in in StarCraft One. Um, at like pretty much around when CSL was created, I, I had gotten picked up by Fnatic to build their StarCraft roster, especially with like StarCraft Two was was kind of around the horizon. 
Um, so I was I was working at Fnatic uh, or quote unquote full time. You know, no one was really no one was getting paid full time wages in esports at that time. But you know, for for what it counts as full time, I was working full time with Fnatic at that point. Um, so CSL was really still like a was really just a hobby. Um, the first you know the first couple of years, and also I was still in college and I was playing. Um, uh, so that was fun uh, for me as well, because uh, it allowed me to kind of still be competitive with StarCraft. So that was nice. Uh, but really, the beginning was was like I, I would say probably very similar to like any collegiate organizer today or any like esports person's kind of grassroots experience. Uh, it was just like me and and three or four other people. Um, just being on Skype calls a lot and and in in Skype chats a lot with with each other, kind of working on working on stuff. And like you know, when we launched a new season, um, I would go to uh, Shindigs, who was one of our first admins who uh, works at Twitch now. Uh, he lived he was at UC Irvine, so like me and him and and one other person who was also local, like we would hang out at his apartment until like two three four in the morning like making all the groups because we have to do everything by hand uh launching the season and stuff so you know we had we had those those sessions pretty often um you know it, it kind of went from that and then in like 2011 is when like actual money and by actual i mean like we got a thousand dollar prize pool which was huge at the time uh but that was when like the first real actual like dollar came in uh to csl and then from there um that's like 2011 when se2 came out was our first year of starcraft 2 was kind of when csl really started to like grow a lot like at that point we actually had almost 350 unique schools for starcraft 2 which is which is pretty mind-blowing to think <laughs> that there were once that many teams of five starcraft 2 players in college because now there's like barely 20. um <laughs> so we um at that time that was when sort of cso started like taking off and, and at that point what i did um i was kind of uh, and that i was also working at nasl at the time if you remember um nasl um but then i like real money was coming into csl and, and 2012 was when we decided to like do the first ever uh, live event for collegiate esports uh so we created this plan to do like four regional land events and then a, a live final event and then um i used my grad school student loans to pay for all of that um because at that point we we didn't really have money sponsors we had like we had like a, I think we had maybe three thousand bucks from Twitch, um, and then we had uh, a sponsorship commitment from TT Esports that year, and they pulled out of it like three weeks before our finals, and that was actually a money deal that they ended up not not paying. So um, like we had these live events, which kind of introduced this element of like something leveling up csl as an organization but also something like adding real money uh to what we were doing and uh so yeah i mean i funded everything with grad school loans which i don't regret um and that that was i think the first year that like 
if you read back at like people like Sapi, um, a lot of the initial TESPA founders, for example, a lot of them went to to those first LAN events that we hosted. Um, and, and like that was a lot of people's like start in esports came from attending those events. So that was like for me, one of my kind of like happiest moments was, was just like putting those events on. Um, but that was also like one of the biggest struggles uh, because like I literally paid for everything myself and you know that was like money that I didn't really have. Um, <clears throat> and it was just a huge struggle because um, that was also a year in which like we lost uh, Mona, who was like our, you know, the co-founder with me, like she was a senior in college at that time. And then she basically took the whole year off. Um, our developer um, at that time who who made our first website uh, kind of disappeared. So it was like, it was both like some of the best moments for me personally, but also it was like one of the biggest struggles because that year in particular, like I essentially was running CSL like almost by myself. Um, in addition to paying every, in addition to paying for everything, so it was like a huge struggle. I was at that point too. I was like, I was casting games, I was writing the articles, I was being the tournament admin, I was funding everything, I was running the productions, I was almost like almost literally doing everything myself. So it was like a huge, huge. Uh, it was like a, it was definitely a big struggle. Um, but you know, sort of like the the cool thing of like going to these lands and like actually meeting everyone for the first time and like having people like come to me afterwards and say like yeah i you know this is the thing that like got me into esports um was was really cool uh for me and sort of like validated in my mind what what we were doing with csl and that was like you know six months later is kind of when i decided to quit my job at nasl and really uh and try to focus on csl full-time as a as a career so uh that was kind of the catalyst for that. Interesting. And so kind of transitioning into, um, I guess, more recent times, uh, how, can you tell me a little bit about the decision to um, kind of wrap up your work with CSL and start working with Faceit? Sure, sure, sure. Um, <clears throat> so um, basically in 2015, I sold, um, I sold CSL to a company called World Gaming. Um, and at that at that point, again, like everything is kind of focused around school. Um, but you know, at that point, you know, I had been doing CSL full time for like three years and I was still funding everything uh, myself. And and at that point, uh, pretty much I was living off of of savings that I had from from NASL and things like that. And I, you know, CSL wasn't making enough money to to pay myself um so i wasn't taking money at that point and one thing you know my dad sat me down and he was like you know hey you've been doing this now for a bunch of years and you know if if you can't figure this out at some point like you have to you need to like you're running out of money basically and like i can't afford to support you because my family doesn't doesn't have a ton of money so he's like you got to figure something out and so that's kind of when I decided to go to law school and essentially gave myself like this three-year window where like at the end of three years, like either CSL will take off and 
I'll keep doing that as a career or I'll become a lawyer and, and get a normal job. Normal job. Uh, it just so happens that in that first year of law school is when I ended up selling the company to World Gaming. Um, <clears throat> and then Cineplex acquired us, which is a big Canadian theater chain in the same year. So CSO was kind of sold twice in one year. Um, now it's like, wasn't for any life-changing amount of money uh, at all. But the thing that it did was, you know, give us like actual resources to, for example, give me a salary to like hire uh, my my head staff uh, full-time and to pay like all of the admins that we had. So like uh, at that time, you know, I made a commitment to myself, like as soon as I can pay one person, I'll make sure everyone gets paid because I didn't want to, you know, having worked in esports for many years, like as a volunteer, I was always upset when like I found out, you know, some person's getting paid, but I'm not getting paid. So I want to make sure everyone gets paid. Um, <clears throat> and then, you know, so so 2015 that happened and and everything like went very well um, for 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 quite a while for probably the first three years of that acquisition. Um, it was really nice relationship in the sense that you know, every summer I met with uh, with uh, the management uh, team at Cineplex where I basically proposed a budget and everything. And, and essentially I said, okay, here's sort of the budget that I'm looking for for the year. Here's uh, justifications for that and, and revenue projections. And it was approved. And essentially at that point, I was kind of able to just do what I wanted for the most part uh, in that way. Like I was, I, they weren't, I wasn't being like micromanaged or anything like that. So it was like a really nice relationship where they kind of just trusted um, everything and was like, okay, here's your budget, go go use your budget. And that was that was great. Um, the problem the problem happened um, or sort of like the relationship started changing a little bit at the end of like 2018 and going into 2019. Uh, I think probably because of uh, two two main reasons one like world gaming sort of the csl direct parent company wasn't doing uh, very well and then cineplex um in general like the the whole like theater industry was not doing very well um <clears throat> and so uh, like budgets and everything were, were being cut pretty aggressively and uh some of the the leadership uh and management at world gaming started taking more of an active role in in trying to sort of direct uh things going on at csl um and from my personal perspective you know i've always been the type of person who like only does uh things that make me happy that i that i like doing um and then we started going through the process of selling csl again um because cineplex is trying to divest all of its esports it wasn't interested in esports anymore um and so a combination of of kind of like me feeling like sort of my vision and my voice wasn't being uh, the driving factor in where CSL was going anymore uh, was was probably like 50% of the reason. And then the the new ownership group of CSL um, was not one that I aligned with. Um, I'm not sure if I'm. I, I mean, A, I'm not sure if that ownership group ended up buying it at the end because I left before the sale was complete. Um, 
but it initially one of the groups that was part of the like three or four different uh firms that were buying the company had like pretty close and direct ties to Trump and they're like a right wing organization and that that wasn't something that I felt comfortable with uh personally um so those were kind of like the two reasons why I decided to leave um and also at the at the same time it's it's also something where like I've literally been doing this same thing with the same company for for 11 years at this point and so kind of the a smaller reason was like okay maybe it's time for like a change of scenery um so yeah those are kind of the three three reasons and then um i kind of started looking around um for for next steps i i considered hey maybe i should just go be a lawyer and make a ton of money um and you know i looked at some other esports things and I, you know, I found Face It, and I and I had spoken to Face It, um, kind of on and off for a couple years. Uh, we we had a couple times tried to figure out if there were ways to work together between Face It and CSL. Um, I know that uh, we we a couple years ago we had actually uh, worked almost worked together on like p- uh, having a joint proposal uh, to 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 uh, pitch. Uh, the Riot Collegiate League together. So like I, I know that they had kind of been circling around collegiate esports for some time. And so I reached out and I just asked if, you know, if this was something that they're interested in like really committing to. And um yeah, it turns out that that they were ready to make an investment into it. And so it kind of just worked out that I was able to transition uh, pretty nicely from there. Um yeah, so that was a long winded explanation. <laughs> No, it was good. It was really good. Um, very, very in depth, and and that provides a lot of insight. I feel like, um, what was there any like the transition period between uh, leaving CSL and working with Face It? Um, were there any like challenges you faced during that time? Um, I mean, I, honestly, it, it happened. It happened like pretty, uh, pretty simultaneously. Like I, I pretty much, um. Like I, I before I completely committed to leaving CSL, I kind of had face it. Um, I, I had spoken to them, so I, I knew what the options were when I was leaving. So there was a only a pretty small transition period. I guess like personally, it was just really difficult to um, to leave. I mean, like I think at the end of the last you know six months of of CSL, especially with like COVID and stuff happening, like at the beginning of the year, really through a lot of our CSL plans, like through a wrench in a lot of our plans. Um, so that was just a general, generally like stressful period um, because like all of esports is kind of what is ever, what is anyone going to do right now? Um, and it was just hard in general to, to kind of leave, even though I was getting to a point where I was like, I was like, oh, I was fairly unhappy. Um, but but I don't want to make it seem like this was this sort of like sort of horrible situation because it wasn't. It was just like you know a bunch of little things adding up, but still, it's like this is the thing that I have kind of built for a, literally my entire adult life. So it was it was just hard for me to kind of make that change. Um, and then you know moving into face it, you know CSL is a small company, even though we were owned by 
Cineplex, which is a billion dollar theater chain, you know, we kind of operated the entire time as like a very small grassroots thing. Like we had, you know, five people. Um, we had barely just gotten an office um, for the first time <clears throat> six months prior. And so going from that to Face It, which has, you know, over 100 full-time employees and like three offices globally, um, was that was like a pretty interesting shift for me because like I've, you know, I've never worked at a company this big before, um, which is funny because Face It in most uh, most worlds is a small company. But for me, it's like this is the biggest company I've worked at. So that's. Uh, that's been like an interesting transition to just like all of a sudden go from being kind of the top person at a company where like the only thing we do is run collegiate leagues to like collegiate leagues and collegiate at face it is is really like ten percent of what face it does. And so I'm like, um, yeah, that that's definitely been a very interesting like shift for me. Uh, personally so that's that was kind of an adjustment like i have to learn you know oh who do i talk to if i if i need this or who do i go to for like these specific questions where uh you know with csl obviously is the only way to go is like okay i'm going to talk to the world gaming management or cineplex management for something and that that like is very clear um but face it you know obviously is a much larger company and i'm i'm not like the top dog here so I have to, um, I had to learn a lot, uh, and still actually am learning a lot, to be honest. Hmm. Constantly learning. Can you tell me something that's actually something I wanted to ask a little bit later, uh, but I can do it now cause we're here. Um, what's something that you've learned in the last year specific to your, your position and your role? Yeah. Oh, let's see. Um, I think, I think managing expectations is is a big thing that I've that I've picked up. I guess it's it's always been sort of a thing that you learn about and and work on, but I guess it's it's a very specific thing that I picked up on like a very acutely this year. Um and I and I bring this up in the context of of Rainbow Six because, you know, face it, like one of the reasons why face it um had budget to invest in 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 bringing me on for this is because uh, we got this contract with Ubisoft to you know face it's running all of the the global esports program for for Rainbow Six and part of that you know includes uh, collegiate and so you know my first thing with face it is like okay we're building a collegiate program for Rainbow Six uh, a which is not a game that I have experience with but B it's like it's it's a pretty like it has a collegiate scene. Um, but it's it has, it's collegiate scene is undeveloped and, and Ubisoft has never been involved in a, an official way. So it's been like a very sort of like grassroots community driven thing. So I think the key is A, because this is a Ubisoft program and B, because Face It itself has like a particular reputation. It's like one of the larger companies in the esports industry. Um, you know, I, I think managing expectations has been like a really important lesson to learn where with CSL, because CSL is like a much smaller company, you know, we're very grassroots, like low, like very small budgets, you know, we can kind of just do 
if I wanted to do something with CSL, I'm like, all right, cool. Like, I'll throw this out there. We'll try it out. Um, if it's not polished, not that it doesn't matter, but it's like, you know, it's it's not the end of the world. You know, we can iterate as we go and it'll be okay. Whereas like with, with FaceIt in this program in particular, it's like, okay, if it's not completely polished when it's when it's launched, people are gonna like people are going to expect that, even given the fact that like, oh, this is a new program or whatever. But like because of the face it name, because of the sort of like official Ubisoft stamp, it's like if it's if it's public in any way, people are expecting that this is kind of like a final product and they're expecting kind of the polish. Um <clears throat> and so having to to manage like the expectations of of like players and users and and really like everybody involved has been like a very um a very big learning thing so it's like what is the messaging that we can have to the community to kind of let people know like okay we're we're launching like um we created a, a rainbow six hub for collegiate players and we just launched an invite hub like for high level games um and how do we launch this in a way that lets people know, hey, this is kind of a new thing. We're just going to try something out, see if it works, um, and have people not be like, hey, why isn't this perfect right out the gate? You know, so that that's that's probably been like the biggest thing that I've that I've kind of like actively been been thinking about and, and learning this year is how to do that in a in a way that that works. Interesting. So not you, sure I have an answer yet, but I think it's definitely something that will be a process. You've only been there what eight months now? Yeah, has has been almost eight months. I think in next week, in two weeks, it'll be eight months. Yeah. Nice. And officially, you're the director of collegiate esports. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. How would you describe your day to day? Like, what does that look like? Um. So day to day. Um. It kind of depends, but I guess an average day would be waking up, <clears throat> and depends on depends on my meeting. Some meetings, some days are busier than others. Like today happens to be a pretty busy day, or like I've been on calls since since 8 a.m. my time, especially given that you know most of the Faceit leadership team is in is based in London. Um, I oftentimes like if I'm meeting with anyone from the leadership team, it's seven or eight a.m. that I have to be kind of up and ready. Um, but on a day that I don't have tons of meetings, because otherwise I'm just like on calls, right? Uh, but on like a typical day where I don't have a ton of meetings, um, like right now in particular, since we're doing registration for our spring league for CSGO and Valorant and League of Legends and in um, Rainbow Six, it's um, Working on outreach, uh, since you know we're still a very small team, I'm doing some of this um, stuff personally still, uh, which which I actually like doing. So I, I basically try to block off a certain amount of time every day to focus on outreach, which is like um, my particular role in this outreach is like reaching out to varsity programs. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna contact X number of programs today and then manage the follow up. So it's like, okay, I'll send out these emails. I'll track responses. I'll, I'll talk to people that respond or that need to be responded to. Um, part of it is um, meeting with my with my team. Um, 
and reviewing everything that needs to be done. So it's like, okay, you know, there's always like things that need to be done in any, give, any given week. Okay, like let's prepare a report for like Ubisoft or where do we stand on collecting this type of this data? Where do we stand on the progress of, of our league? Just doing a lot of like checking up and following up on things. Um, and then part of the day, sort of like the other third of the day is kind of devoted to thinking about and and sort of actively working on moving forward and so that's for example like what new projects can we get into um what are things that i can start preparing uh and planning for next year now uh so you know uh working on pitches and proposals for you know new publishers or new partnerships and things like that so i guess like a third of my day is um kind of hands-on sort of direct work with with our current leagues and activities which like right now particularly is like outreach uh, a third of the day is sort of like <clears throat> managing uh people and and tasks and just checking up on, on stuff and following up on things and then the other third of the day is like um sort of like future forward you know thinking uh thinking of stuff to do writing plans and proposals and, and working on, on pitches and more like biz dev type stuff, I guess you could call it. Hmm. And what, what's the, what's like your favorite part of the work you do? <clears throat> um, <clears throat> I would say my favorite part of the work I do is half managing, uh, we're working on the biz dev stuff and half uh, dealing directly with with teams and players, like when when there's competition happening, like you know, seeing people have fun playing in our Rainbow Six League, for example, like that is super cool to me. Or like seeing that you know at uh, 10 a.m. on on a Tuesday, there's like 10 people in voice chat like playing hub games for rainbow six you know that that's like the thing that i really like about this and what i've always liked about this is just seeing seeing the impact and and knowing that the stuff that i'm doing um like even if it's not directly tied to like me or associated with me personally just the fact that like i'm putting this thing on that you know many people are enjoying and having a good time with and like building good connection and good experiences with like that's something that I really like so just knowing that these leagues and competitions are doing that um is probably my favorite part and then sort of the the biz dev stuff I like uh from a personal standpoint like being a competitive person and being a person who like wants to kind of always be uh going forward and and accomplishing things like that's always fun because it's like I get a role, an active role in kind of crafting um, these plans that hopefully will work out uh, and, and sort of generate some type of results, whether it's like getting more revenue or getting a new partnership or, you know, literally any number of things. Like whatever is achieved from it doesn't matter. It's just like the, the process of doing work to achieve something um, is, is, something that i really enjoy uh, i guess that's sort of like sounds cliche right but the uh 
process over results kind of thing. Like I, I like the the aspect of working towards a thing, um, whether or not the thing later ends up being achieved or not. But like the process of like doing it is very fun for me. On the flip side of that, um, what has been like the most challenging part of your work? Um, <clears throat> most challenging part, uh, I guess, at Face It right now specifically is, um, it's just like, yeah, you know, I'm working in, in now like a bigger ecosystem. And so that's, it's, it's not like, um, it, it's, it's been challenging just because I have to, I have to like, you know, I, I, I still don't know a lot of stuff about like how things work and, you know, I've, I've learned a lot, but I still have a lot more to, to learn. So sometimes it's like, I want to do a certain thing, but I'm not sure who to ask, uh, or, or sort of like who has the information that I need or something like that. I think that's kind of been, um, thus far the most challenging. And I guess the, the, the cop-out answer, which is still true, is like COVID happening is also the most challenging thing, uh, just because it's it's like I really would love to have a live event for for Rainbow Six this uh, season, but um, we probably can't. You know, that's that's pro I mean, like realistically, that's that's much more challenging than than any other like small um, issues. I'm, I'm you know, of being new at a, a bigger company, right? That's like the actual answer. Is it really sucks that I can't like go out to events, and it makes it make does make my job kind of harder uh, because a lot of the 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 stuff that I would do normally is like, okay, I'll go to conferences and I'll meet people like face to face and things like that, and um, and then doing live events obviously is great because it, it puts like a face to a name um, for us uh, and and the community. And it, you know, creates those like really good experiences and stuff like that. And like, we just can't do any of those things this year um, and for the foreseeable future. So that's like, that's actually been the biggest challenge, but I guess like not counting that it's just, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm working in this, in this bigger company and sometimes like, I'm not a hundred percent sure, you know, who to ask uh, for, for things that I need. Uh, so I think um, it's it's caused uh, sort of like ramping up to happen like a little more a little bit more slowly than I would like, but um, I'm still pretty pleased with like where I'm at, you know, eight months later. Nice, nice. Yeah, I do. I do find that uh, you know, obviously, COVID has been a, a a big challenge in general. I think the the lack of live esports events is kind of really sad in many ways because like it was for you with the early events and, uh, and, you know, organizing for CSL and, and whatnot, just that, that in-person experience is really what's kind of convinced me that, uh, I wanted to work in esports as well. I went to like the esports, it was a uh, Red Bull esports, uh, battlegrounds event in Detroit. And, uh, it was just such an intimate event, such an intimate, uh, experience. It was like, the, the players were accessible, the casters were accessible, the producers were accessible, the play, yeah, just everybody. And so like, I could just go up to everybody and ask like how they got involved in esports. And and for me, that, that sort of networking or that sort of like just insight, like, hey, they just said, just get started on something or start doing something you like or identify a position you wanna work towards and just build experience towards it. Like it was huge and seems like it's definitely, uh, 
there are not as many opportunities to do that uh, remotely, you know, like being yeah. a person is a lot easier to do that, to, to have those sort of connections. And um, hopefully we get back to some sort of semblance of eSport event uh, in the coming year, assuming that things clean up a little bit with the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, I sure hope so. <clears throat> I sure hope so. Hmm. Okay, uh, so you talked a little bit about you know working a lot with the the different teams and different players and um, stuff like that. Who do you interact with most often in your work, and like what are their role and how do you work together? Uh, do you mean like internally or externally? Internally or externally? I guess who who's like maybe your your, your most frequent contact or somebody somebody to roll within the company? Yeah, let's say that. Yeah, um, I guess uh, I probably talk most to um, Mick, who's uh, who's my direct boss. Um, he he's like the CBO um, at Faceit, co-founder of Faceit, and he's the he's like the one of the the only I guess senior level management that is actually uh, in the states. All the others are in in Europe, uh, so I probably interact with him the most uh, day to day, uh, especially, you know, uh, because, you know, a lot of the stuff that I that I do is is future forward. So like, you know, I, I, I talk with him a lot about, you know, various different things that we can do moving forward, or he comes to me with ideas or thoughts. Um, and so I, I probably spend a lot of my time uh, working with and talking to him. And then uh, our sales team, I probably talk to uh, the most because, you know, one of, again, one of my big goals is um, just trying to, you know, create new opportunities um, and, and uh, yeah, so I, I talk to sales, the sales people a lot and I talk to, to Mick a lot for sure. And then occasionally I talk to the platform people a lot too, because I always bother them about, um, I always bother them about stuff. Um, so I have uh, one guy, Charles, on the platform team uh, that I talk to also a lot because you know we uh, I you know establish partnerships with with people. Um, you know we have a couple partnerships with some other collegiate leagues, and so you know oftentimes they'll have uh, platform questions and things like that about the the face of platform, and so I, I bother the uh, the platform people a lot because. Uh, the Faceit platform does it's it's huge and it does a lot of different things and um, I definitely have not learned all there is to learn about it yet so I I definitely bother them a lot I'm sure they're not I'm sure they're not happy about it uh, I think that's part of the, that's part of the process and uh, soon enough <laughs> soon enough you won't have to um, give it a, a couple more months I imagine that's the dream. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about a, maybe a personal sacrifice you've made to work in esports? Oh, yeah, there's tons of them. So that's um I I would probably say uh relationships for sure. Um like for sure I've probably lost my last two relationships at least in part due to working in esports. Um, I mean, I, I happen to also kind of be a workaholic, anyways, and that's not necessarily good. Um, but but yeah, I mean, definitely, uh, definitely relationships, and not just like romantic relationships, but you know, um, 
just any relationship really um a lot of relationships that i've had have have suffered because of my esports work um just and i mean this in the sense that you know i i i work a lot and i and i used to at least travel a lot um you know so that, that that's tough for relationships where like i'm gone like you know two weeks out of a month for where i'm traveling like every week for you know three months straight you know things like that those are those are really those things are really tough um on relationships and um you know i'm kind of the type of person who who has a hard time saying no so it's like oh could you go to this event you know answer is gonna be yes uh more times nine times out of ten you know i'll be like oh yeah i can do that i can do that i can do that and then all of a sudden um i'm in a position where like oh i i have I have tons of work. Like I, I don't have time to like go out tonight or, you know, <clears throat> things like that. Or, you know, I have to, you know, miss miss events that like my friends are doing, like things like that. So I would say um relationships for sure have been sacrificed. Um I'm not saying that that's a good thing. Uh so I think a lesson to learn is 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 work life balance and things like that. And that's something that I personally struggle with. Um, uh, but I'm hoping that at some point in my life I will get better at. But that's probably been the biggest the biggest sacrifice, I guess. Like I could be I could be working at a law firm making like twice as much money as I am making now. So I guess that's in a in a certain way a sacrifice. Um, you know, I went to law school and I became a lawyer, but you know, that's that's not what I'm doing. Um I could be yeah, just making a ton of money doing that. But I've chosen to uh, continue with esports uh, for the time being because I I still I still like it. So you know, I like doing things I like. So here I am. Interesting. If you for better for better or worse. If you if you were to 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 go into law, would you have a pre preferred like style of law, or I guess what was the category of law that you would like to? Um, I do actually do legal work um on the side occasionally um i i have done ip related work um i've written for sure i've 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 gotten published i actually wrote like ip uh article um on esports that was published so that's cool um in my real life I do uh, real estate stuff occasionally for for a couple of friends of mine who own properties. Um, it's not super exciting or interesting, to be completely honest. Um, but uh, the I, I like intellectual property type stuff is, is actually something that does like interest me, like intellectually. So if I were to at some point uh, practice law full time, I would I would want to. Uh, do something related to to IP. Um, I did a lot of estate planning, uh, studying and and work when I was in law school. Um, like I actually, it, it I found that I that I actually had some interest in that. So that might be something to explore at some point. Um, but yeah, IP related work for sure. If I ever practice law full time, I mean, I have I have a pretty decent amount of knowledge in it, and you know. I've, I've I've written I've written in that field and I have a couple other writing ideas slash projects that I've started that are that are IP related so yeah maybe one day.
Very cool. Yeah, so, something in the back of the head there. Even if you don't end up doing it, it's 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 interesting to hear that you know you have this sort of not even a, it's a backup plan to esports, but it's not even something that you really necessarily need. It could always just be something you pivot to if you wanted to. Right. Hopefully, um, I might I might age myself out. You know, one of the things that one of the things that my dad always says to me because he keeps telling me to go work at a law firm. He's like, oh, if you don't. <laughs> he he says he says you know at some point like if you don't practice law full time you know it'll be harder for you to like get into it if you decide to do it later which i think there's probably some merit to that but you know i i'm usually like thinking about the moment rather than 2 years 5 years down the line so i'm not really thinking about that <laughs> but that might be a thing but uh yeah i'm i'm not i'm not really worried about it i feel like uh, in general, my kind of life philosophy is that a you know don't do something you don't like. So if you you're doing something that you like, just keep doing it until you don't like it anymore. Um, and then b like um, if you're good at something and you're really passionate about it and you work really hard, you will almost always get to where you want to go. So. You know, I, I I do firmly believe in that, to be honest. So I I feel like at some point, in you know five years, if I somehow decide, hey, I want to actually do this lawyer thing full time, um, I feel pretty confident that I will find a way to make it work. So nice, life finds a way. Yeah, I agree. Jurassic Park. Damn, good, nice, <laughs> nice one. Very, very nice. Um, yeah. <clears throat> kind of jumping back into esports, uh, how would you recommend someone kind of gain experience uh, for work similar to yours? Maybe they want to organize tournaments, or maybe they want to get involved in the collegiate scene at some level. How would you recommend someone get started? Um, I, I guess the the cliche answer that a lot of people um, on this podcast or or who have careers in esports would say is you know put your you know put yourself out there um volunteer for things like that those are those are definitely good pieces of advice i think also try to identify a thing that you're good at and try to then find some esports equivalent application of that whether it be you know like literally whatever it is like there's there's probably a need for something in esports anywhere you just have to find where your skills match the need uh but like for organizing tournaments for example just to use a practical example um let's say i'm like a college student and i really want to get into like tournament organizing and things like that um probably what i would do <clears throat> is i would find out if my school has an esports club uh if they do have an esports club i would go to the club and find out if they run events and if they don't run events then it's sort of easy i will i would offer to run some type of event whatever it is like oh hey like wouldn't it be cool if we did a league of legends tournament and let me just let me just go do that um or if they do run events currently i would then find out who is the person in the club that runs the events and i would ask them if they need help you know, hey, what can I do? Like, oh, we've got a league tournament this Saturday. Like, can I help? What can I do? Um, you know, maybe it starts off small where like I'm sitting at a registration booth or 
or checking people in on a Google Sheet on Discord if we're, you know, doing COVID stuff, right? But like, even if it's something small, just like getting yourself involved in some capacity. Uh, so it's really just about like, let me go find out what exists currently um, at school. And if there is something that exists currently, then find out who the, the people I need to, to, to speak to are and then go talk to them about how to to help and get involved and, and start doing things. Um, and if there's nothing that exists, then then you can sort of build something yourself. Um, that's probably the best way uh, to do it. And yeah, it just sounds it sounds intuitive and, and probably everybody says this, but um, I mean, that's literally what I did. I just, you know, I post on Team Liquid, hey, do we have an esports club at UC San Diego? Does anyone know? Um, if not, I'm going to go start one. And then I did. I'm like, oh, there's a, there's an event. Is anyone doing a intercollegiate event for, for UC students? No, they're not. I, I haven't seen anything like that. Like, okay, let me go post on Team Liquid. Hey, does any anyone go to like any of the UC schools and want to form a StarCraft team and compete against other UC schools? And, you know, I just started doing it that way. So I think that's probably the best way. Um, yeah. It's worked for many people and it will work for it will work for you too, whoever's listening. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Um, <laughs> so do you uh, normally I would just ask about uh, tips for networking in general. Uh, I think we're in kind of a very unique uh, place in the world right now with COVID and everything. Do you have any tips for networking uh, in a pandemic state? Like it's very hard. You can't just go to an event and network maybe in a traditional way. Um, I guess like one thing that I will say, um, just super quickly before talking about networking, I, one thing that I would say is, is for people who are like on the, how to get involved in esports type thing, um, is to not get discouraged or not expect something to happen immediately. Um, I, I think that's something that I read about a lot is people saying like oh I, I wanted to do this and like it like people giving up um because something isn't happening for them i think that's probably one of the biggest things to to just keep in mind actively is like uh hopefully people aren't trying aren't expecting like something to happen for them overnight like in many cases like maybe you have to do something for a long time i mean for me i probably worked as a volunteer from like 2000 until 2010 before I literally saw a dollar from esports not saying that the situations are the same because there's money in it now but like don't expect overnight sort of things to just happen immediately um for for networking um <clears throat> twitter probably <laughs> uh twitter and discord i i'd say you know twitter for example what i mean by that is like find people that 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 are either doing the things that you want to do or think that you want to do or or involved in stuff like for example um again I'll just use my my like esports club example like if I'm if I'm a student at a school and I'm and I'm you know at home due to covid and I'm a freshman or whatever um and I don't know what to do I would a look at Twitter and be like, okay, you know, 
University of COVID Esports Club. Search that on Twitter and see if they have a Twitter. And if they do have a Twitter, um, presumably in their in their description, it'll link to their club Discord, and I'll be able to join their Discord. Um, and from there, you know, Discords are usually pretty decently organized, right? You can be like, oh, here's the leadership team. Talk to them. Or just be like, hey, who wants to play whatever? Anyone play League? Let's go play League, right? Um, that's probably how I would do it for the most part, or outside of that context, if you're just like, oh, I'm super interested in, I don't know, Face It, for example. Go find people on Face It at Twitter and follow them um, and and try to engage with their tweets and, and talk to them and, and develop uh, some type of online communication. And, and then that could potentially lead to something, right? Um, you know, a lot of the outreach that I've done has literally just been um, scouring Twitter and looking for like university esports clubs on Twitter and then following hundreds and hundreds of them um, <clears throat> and then just messaging them, right? And that's how I've built a lot of relationships with with like athletic directors and things like that. I've, I've literally just been like, hey, I work at Faceit and I'm doing a league. Who can I talk to about trying to get you guys to sign up? Um, and they will say, oh, talk to this guy. Here's an email, bam. Um, connection has been made right and that's probably the the way i would do it in in COVID times um you talked a bit about um not kind of before you answered the networking question about not giving up and and really uh sticking with something you know not giving up too soon uh i'm curious um and kind of a similar parallel uh how do you how do you calculate success um success in in what I guess. Uh, in your own life, like, do you uh, do you consider your the work that you do, like the work you did with CSL, or um, it doesn't have to be like an end all success, like my job here is done type of thing. But do you think um, sure. you have, yeah, just what do you, what do you do? You have any sort of uh, measurement that um, you use or KPI that you use to say whether or not you've done something successfully? Um. Uh, yeah, I mean. Yes and no, I would say, again, this sounds like kind of a cliche answer, but uh, to me, it's like, I, I can't, I can't stress this enough or like try to say this more sincerely to, to try to like have people think that I'm like not just giving a cliche answer here. But like, um, for me, the f knowing or hearing from, from, from players that they had like a good experience for me is like my indicator of success. And I'll like always, I will always remember um, like the, the land, the Irvine land I hosted in 2012, for example, like reading a uh, team liquid post from Suppy, um, you know, who became a pro SC2 player and, and things like that. And like reading his team liquid blog being that said, like, this is this singular event was like the, greatest experience of my life like up till this point or um logan fischel who was one of the main tespa guys um and i think he moved to rally cry the um rosen's new company i think he's like the the front end dev there you know reading his blog saying that like going to that lan event with his school club like was the thing that pushed him to like want to get into esports as a career or um 
after our our CSL finals in 2016 in Toronto when you know one of the players came to me at the after party and said like yeah I, <clears throat> my current roommate is like my best friend and we met because we were both on the CSL Dota team together and that's like how we met and now it's like this guy's my best friend like those are the actual things that matter to me um and, and and that's how I know that what I'm doing is a success. Or, or even, uh, on the other hand, like from a work perspective, the fact that like you see people like um, Nathan Stans, who's like the GM at Gen.G, and like his, you know, one of his first esports things was you know being a CSL admin, or Frodan, who's you know probably the biggest Hearthstone caster in the world. Like I gave him his first casting gig <clears throat> um, when he was just a college student. You know, and and seeing like him be super successful now, uh, those are the things that tell me that what I am doing and what I have done has been a success. Um, like even even though I don't like get anything from this, like it's not like I don't get recognition or it's not like I'm getting money because other people have been successful. Um, after having you know started in esports from CSL, but like the fact that um, <clears throat> I was able to build something that like gave these people opportunities, and now that now that they have like taken those opportunities and grown and like are doing really cool things in the industry, or players who have played in CSL and gone pro, or played in CSL and had good experiences and things like that, like those to me, those are like make me feel that like what I'm doing is valuable um, and valued and is successful. Um, and then like from a more practical perspective, um, <laughs> do I still have a job? If, if, if the answer is yes, then, you know, clearly what I'm doing is working. Uh, so that's, the <laughs> that's like the practical part of it. Like, oh, cool. I'm still employed. This is nice. Um, someone still values what I do enough to, pay me to keep doing it um and and yeah it's it, to a certain extent it is as simple as that uh that's nice i'm i'm very grateful um truly like super grateful that despite all the challenges of covid and you know millions of people being unemployed that i am lucky enough to still be employed and you know that tells me that you know the work that i do is is valued so yeah Awesome. Thanks for that response. I think tells me a lot. Of, tells everybody a lot about your character, and also uh, I think it's really cool uh, and a noble thing. Uh, so give yourself a nice pat on the back. Not uh, not in a silly way. Like I, I legitimately mean it. Uh, providing these these opportunities for people, even just if it's not an opportunity, even if it's just the inspiration to kind of push people towards what they want to do and towards the things that they actually end up get to, uh, getting to do. I think it's really cool and it's really inspirational. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's it's fun. It's it's like the thing that that makes this fun for me, right? And that's again my whole my whole thing is to 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 do something that that is is fun. So, you know, it's it's this that keeps like these types of things that keep esports fun uh for me, specifically collegiate. Um uh, yeah, that's the that's kind of my my realm and it's those are the reasons why you know, I keep coming back and I keep being involved even after, uh, after so many years. 
So yeah, it's very fun. Cool. Um, are there any like tools or apps or programs or even just like methods or something that you use to stay organized or kind of help you as you work towards your goals? Um, I'm pretty bad at that. Um, notepads, like a physical notepad and then just like notepad on my computer. Um, it's, it is not the most organized. I will, I will, I will freely admit that I could be much more organized. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I do that a lot. So one thing, uh, one thing my former boss at NASL taught me that I still do to this day, um, is, you know, at the start of the day, I, I try, I don't do it every day, even though I should, but like on days that I remember to do this, I'll write a list of like, okay, here's the whatever, 10 things I need to do today. And, you know, as you work through them, you, my goal is to write a list of things to do in a day, but know that I'm not going to do all of them. Um, <clears throat> and like, so like if I write 10 things to do in a day, my goal is to do seven of them, for example. And then what I will do is I will then rewrite um, or retype if I'm using a computer, uh, rewrite the same thing that I didn't do the next day. So like, let's say, I don't know, finish this proposal for, you know, I don't know, Red Bull, for example. Um, and if I didn't finish the proposal for Red Bull today, then tomorrow when I'm writing my list, that will be the first thing on my list, which is finish Red Bull proposal. Um, and the idea behind that is like, the the longer you go without doing the thing, you keep writing it over on your list and it keeps staring at you and annoying you until eventually you do it. Um, so that's that's something that I that I learned uh, from from my former boss that I that I've done a lot that has helped me a lot um, to get things done uh, because it's like I don't want this this like stupid thing on my list to like keep being on my list so I want to get it done um, so I'm I'm more likely to get it done that way than than not um, otherwise like uh, in terms of like actual software stuff I mean Google Calendar has been increasingly valuable for me as I've like gotten older and more mature and started actually putting stuff in calendars. Um, I've discovered that it's very useful. Um, it's it's definitely at a point where if it's not in my calendar, um, I will likely forget about it. So that's that's hundred percent like I need to put stuff there. Um, a strategy that I've learned about that that I that I don't again that I don't do as often as I should is even using a calendar to just block out like personal time. For example, like put one to two p.m. like go eat lunch and watch an episode of Game of Thrones. For example, like just put that in the calendar. Um, just try to to be as productive as possible with the calendar and and use it um, to the best of your abilities. And again, like I, I'm saying these things, but I'm I'm not great at these. I'm not great at them, but um, I do actively try to like get better at doing those types of organizational things. Um, so I would say do as I say, not as I do. Um, 
but yes, I am also trying to do these things actively. I think it's a really good one, the blocking things out, even as simple as uh, going to lunch and watching Game of Thrones, you know. Uh, especially for me, that's something I struggle with, and uh, with COVID, it's been a little bit more difficult. I'm, I've yeah. been working remotely <laughs> and from home, um, and I was a little, I was before anyways, but uh, as a freelancer, it's been challenging for me to stop working, even, uh, like, stop overworking, essentially, like, I'm paid like a certain amount, you know, I'm contracted to do a certain amount of work. And then beyond that, I've always just, uh, I've been so tied into the uh, startup kind of work ethic where you're just always working, you're almost never off. And um, it's really hard for me now as a freelancer to to create that space for myself. And I think uh, only in the last couple, maybe month or two, have I really started going hard on the, the calendar and like adding just everything to it, so. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely been harder. Um and like you, I think like I worked remote for for a long time. I mean, really only in the 6-7 months before I left CSL is when we finally got an office. Uh but, you know, prior to that, it'd been remote for forever, literally. Um and and yeah, it's 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 a double-edged sword, right? It's like you get the freedom, and it's great. But if you if you don't if you're not responsible with your time, um, and if you and if you're not self-motivated, it can be working remote can be really challenging, um, you know. So so yes, if you're if you're not sort of an intrinsically self-motivated person, hundred percent, um, calendaring things can be a lifesaver, and like aggressively, uh, making lists and notepad stuff, um is is probably going to be huge absolutely great greatly helpful for me and uh i'm sure for everyone out there listening um if they find themselves in a similar situation um is yeah. there anyone in esports that you look up to oh yeah um uh nazgul from team liquid for sure um him uh he would probably be the main one. Um, yeah, I've known him since I was 10 years old. And uh, since before Liquid existed, um, when I first started playing StarCraft when I was 10, uh, he was part of a clan that my cousin was in called I'm, which was like, yeah, it was before Liquid. And that was Nazgul was like a pro StarCraft. He was like one of the better... The best players in the in the those early days of StarCraft, and so I pretty much like when I was like ten year old me, pretty much thought that he was a god, um, <laughs> and yeah, and then like shortly thereafter, you know, he he left and created Liquid, but you know, I I was always a fan of his, um, from like interacting with him a couple times when I was a kid, and you know, I followed him when he had his stint in Korea as a pro, and then, um. You know, obviously, like what he's done with Team Liquid, of course, I've you know, yeah. So I, I'd say, like, just you know, since I was literally since I was ten years old, I've I've looked up to him, um, and uh, yeah, still do. Obviously, what he what he continues to do with Liquid is is uh, pretty pretty incredible. Um, Kenigit, also from Team Liquid, who is one of the heads at ESL now, um, I always uh, respected him quite a bit, and and looked up to him. Um, those are probably the two ones. Um, 
Ken again, I, I just always thought that he was just really competent. And and I and my, I'm saying that as like a completely as a compliment. Like he just he he always in, in like the early StarCraft days and Team Liquid um days, like he, he was always just really good. Um I always respected his opinions. I always thought he was like very level headed. He thought about things very well. Um he was just competent at like everything he did. Uh, and I always really respected him. Uh, I haven't talked to him in, in quite a while, but um I'm pretty sure he's still at ESL. Uh, but uh, yeah, those are probably the two people um, that I respect the most. Okay, cool. Um, are there any developments uh, outside of uh, Face It that, in, like in the industry, that you find um, interesting or that you're particularly uh, excited for, whether it's development or um, kind of growth in the space? Um. Outside of outside of Face It, I mean, it could be something that you guys are developing within Face It, but if it's outside, that works as well. I don't even know if I'm allowed to talk about this stuff. That was one of the, that was one of the reasons <laughs> I was I was thinking outside of Face It. Um, I actually don't know. I would say um, I I would say that I I guess maybe uh, because I know we've posted public publicly about the um. Minerva, which is um, something that we're co-developing with um, with Google um, artificial intelligence. Uh, we're doing a lot with AI at Faceit. That's I think like super interesting and unique. Um, and we've you know rolled it out with um, I believe um, like the the justice system that we have on Faceit to like ban toxic players, for example. Like uh, um, like we do have a lot of like volunteer staff that that handles reports and stuff but we actually um have built an ai that that does this stuff as well that like identifies toxic behavior in face it matches and gives warnings and bans uh based on that and we're 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 greatly expanding uh what ai does within face it and and i think um it's super cool to to kind of learn about it like we're yeah Probably can't talk about. Yeah, I'll talk about yeah Minerva, the thing that's been publicly announced. But we're doing more stuff with AI and machine learning and stuff um, uh, to to like really enhance the experience on Faceit and and do like um, new things. Actually, I think um, no, we have rolled this feature out. So uh, in a beta. So like another sort of application of this is like we're doing some machine learning that. Like automatically can detect highlights from your Faceit games and like clips them for you. So like, basically we, um, like if you're playing CS:GO on Faceit, for example, like the platform itself will like build you a highlight reel of your games, um, based on like machine learning and AI. So, like that stuff is super cool. Um, and I think it's as far as I understand, it's um. It's unique, and nobody else is really doing and exploring these things. Uh, and I think it's it's uh, yeah, it's really cool. And there's so many more types of things like that that I think could be really neat for the industry. Um, Super fascinating. That's uh, very exciting as well. Thinking about like 
the the whole like auto highlighting but also the fact that you know the poor mods don't have to worry so much about going through the bands and stuff because that can be a bit toxic even just having to be a community manager on that side of things yeah definitely um kind of wrapping everything all up uh had a nice conversation i appreciate you uh taking the time to to chat with me um what would you recommend um in kind of a like one or two minute bit what would you recommend for someone who wanted to create a career in the esports space um yeah i guess what i've i guess what i said before um find the thing that you're good at and then start applying it to esports in some context and and i'll say like cooking for example like oh you're really good at cooking for example well i'm sure there are many pro teams that need a chef or something for the team house or you know something like that um or i don't know you're you're a makeup artist right like pro leagues and events and stuff need makeup artists um or your photographer you know pro events need photographers i think in these like niche uh roles right now or even as a lawyer like there's only like three or four esports lawyers there's this very small number of esports lawyers and a very large number of people in esports that need lawyers um you know there's like bryce and esg law represent like 80 percent of the teams you know eventually that's not going to work um so i would say identify what you can do what you like to do what you're good at and then um try to like figure out how that there can be an application of that skill to esports whether it's like as a chef or a lawyer or um, a financial planner or literally anything you know a juggler i don't know um whatever it is there's probably a way that you can fit in esports um so i would say take the time to really think about that um because it's also possible that you can think of something that a need that hasn't been fulfilled yet or something that's totally new um and and build something for yourself like collegiate esports you know there was no collegiate esports before csl and i was like hey wouldn't it be cool if like we made a college team and played against other colleges um and then i just did that so like who knows what the next thing that's going to be new is right but um there's always a possible possibility to create something brand new a and then b uh there's always a way to fit within the space if you have a like skill in a particular field right um and then be patient be patient um and then the uh, i guess final point would be like yeah just things are things are very different in the industry now from you know the early 2000s when i was sort of like starting in esports before esports was being used right like i say you know yeah i volunteered for like eight years before getting my first paying gig which was literally a hundred dollars a month nothing um and i know there's there's a lot of um a lot of the old school esports people will be like just volunteer and then a lot of the new people will say you know don't do that um it's bad you know like you're being taken advantage of or exploited 
I think that's just a decision that everybody has to make for themselves. Um, and that's kind of my last point is, you know, whether you volunteer or get paid, I mean, obviously, if you can get paid, you should get paid. Organizations in general shouldn't exploit volunteer labor, for sure. Obviously, that's a given. Uh, but you as an individual, like you can decide what you're willing to do and not do and what you're willing to take and not take, right? So if you're really passionate about something and you have to volunteer for a year and that leads to something that's paying, you know, yeah, maybe it sucks to um, potentially be getting exploited, quote unquote. But if that leads to something and you, you know, have the means to volunteer and your life isn't depending on this, um, you know, make that decision for yourself. Um, yeah, that's that's the end of that. Okay, so where can people find you online? Uh, yes, uh, face it. Duran on Twitter, um, I guess faceit.com um, can look up like Faceit Collegiate or uh, Rainbow Six Collegiate on Faceit, uh, or just in general use Faceit. I like Faceit. Um, really good, really cool place. Um, also, I, I do intend on rolling out an internship program at some point in the future once I once I get more settled in and and once like office life and stuff can come back to normal um so i will that's definitely a big goal of mine is to create like a really a really cool internship program because face it you know does a lot of stuff in addition to collegiate um and i think we have a lot of like insanely talented people if you've seen flashpoint like we're, we're the ones that put that on um like face it has has a bunch of crazy uh talented people working here that's one of the been one of the cool things is to just see how many really cool people are working here um so yeah uh definitely uh, follow face it and and look at some of the stuff we're doing play in f oh i was gonna say play in fpl if you're a rainbow six or a csgo player try to qualify for fpl absolutely well thank you so much again for the time and uh that wraps up our conversation cool thank you very much appreciate it thank you so much for listening to the work in esports podcast if you've enjoyed this episode, please give us a follow and let us know who you might want to see next on the podcast. Thanks, and see you next time.